sarcasm is a powerful tool, one utilized very well, I think, by listeners of this show. I call them snowflakes. Ed is clearly a snowflake. He tweets at underscore Adam Crowley. Haley's keeping the sneak for a time when he can trick the D with it. Would have been a pretty good time in a do-or-die game at home, huh? But he just did. God! I went to the bathroom prior to the Steelers' fourth and one, the first one, at the 20-yard line, with a minute and 11 seconds to go in the first quarter. I went to the bathroom, and when I came back, they had already run the play, and Brian LaMartina, assistant program director, who runs the Steelers' games on the network, said, you're never going to guess what they just did. And I saw the replay, and I I thought I was going to have an aneurysm. Don't run the ball at all. Run a quarterback sneak. But if you're going to run, don't throw the ball back seven freaking yards. I've watched that like 80 times since then, and that's how far back from the line of scrimmage Le'Veon Bell was when he caught the football. Even if the play is perfectly executed, even if it's all blocked up, somebody's still going to have an opportunity to get a hand on him prior to him getting to that first down marker. Doesn't mean they're going to bring him down if it's perfectly executed, but you're giving them an opportunity. If you run the ball between the tackles, yeah, there's going to be people right there, but I have far more confidence in blowing guys backwards off the ball then running your offensive line sideways and trying to have them out quick, a very fast Jacksonville Jaguars defense. Nevertheless, the fact that the quarterback sneak is not in the playbook is asinine, whether it's Tomlin's fault, Haley's fault, or Ben Roethlisberger's fault. Ben says he'd like it to be in the playbook. So why the bleep isn't it? I don't understand, and we haven't gotten the answer. Tomlin spoke for 22 minutes today. Perhaps it was an ode to Andrew McCutcheon. But in those 22 minutes, he said next to nothing. Talked a lot. Didn't give us any information at all. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. If it is Todd Haley's fault, he's got to go. And I think that Todd's a good coordinator. But it's been six years now. And is the offense really getting better? Probably not. Martavis Bryant's first year, when he came on board, the Steelers were scoring 30 points a game. In the second half of this season, the Steelers were scoring 30 points a game. That's great. But that was the stated goal for the Steelers all season long. And had the Steelers' offense been up to speed in the early portion of the season... They likely don't lose to the Chicago Bears. They then have home field advantage, yada, yada, yada. They're probably still playing football right now. The offense's consistency is a problem when you've got this much talent. And as much as I do like Todd and I like his schemes, I do think he overthinks things at times. But here's the deal. The Steelers need new blood, but... I don't think you want to rock the boat too much. Amid failure, sometimes you need a head to roll. We all know that it won't be Mike Tomlin's, and it shouldn't be. Steelers were 13-3 and this year. You can't forget about that. And they were probably an Al Riveron decision away from likely being in the AFC title game. Bruce Arians is available. 
But that would be a move that screams of desperation. It would also radically change the offense of your franchise quarterback. As much as Ben loves Bruce, the organization, not a huge fan of his. And even though they're close, there'd be a lot of new terminology and an entire new offense to bring everyone else up to speed on. So that's not going to happen. I also saw a couple of people suggest that Mike Malarkey come back. Yeah, that would be Malarkey. Here's the deal. Mike Malarkey got canned in Tennessee because he's got a great young quarterback, and yet that great young quarterback didn't have success this year. The scheme was not tailored to the strengths of that great young quarterback. So he's gone. You don't bring him in to play with a great quarterback. Mm-mm, that ain't the move. So the solution seems like an easy one to me. You thank Todd Haley for his time as offensive coordinator, and you move on to Randy Feekner. I've heard people call him Finkter, like Sphincter. I talked to him once, and he talked about how it's German heritage and that his name is actually Feekner. So people laugh at me when I say it that way, but that's his name. We can just call him Randy, though. That might make things easier. But Feekner, Randy, he's got a good relationship with Roethlisberger. He'd keep the framework of the offense. And Roethlisberger, who turns 36 in March, would get the benefit of not having to adjust to a whole different offense this late in his career. You want to rock the boat, you don't want to tip the boat over. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Did you hear Josh Harrison told The Athletic that he wants to be traded if the Pirates aren't going to contend? It's nice that he threw that one part on to the end. But he's just asking for a trade because obviously the Pirates aren't going to contend. Chris Muller, who I like from across the street, he said eh, it's not really a good position for Josh Harrison since he's an average baseball player. But I want to look at him as the human being. As a human being, why would you want to be on a sinking ship? As a human being, why would you want to be here when the other two great players on the team are gone? Trust me, Josh Bell's a good baseball player, and it's nice to have him around. Maybe he's the best player on the Pirates. Uh, Starling Marte's really good, and Polanco's got some upside, but last year I think you could make the argument that Josh Harrison was the next best hitter behind Josh Bell and Andrew McCutcheon. Had a career high in home runs. He's a really good defensive player, and if he doesn't want to play out the string here, I totally get it. And especially when you consider the kind of guy that Josh Harrison is. How could I or anybody else possibly condemn him for those thoughts? I think it shows the state of the Pirates that a guy like that, somebody who probably would never have been given a chance elsewhere, a short guy with not a lot of measurables, who's always worked his hardest, he wants to leave, that guy wants to leave, the guy that got his major league shot here, he wants to leave? That tells you the state of these Pittsburgh Pirates. They're a freaking disaster. A disaster. And I don't blame Josh Harrison in the slightest. Do you? 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Are the Pirates buying or selling? I don't know. And that's a problem. And that falls right in line with Josh Harrison not knowing whether or not he should stay or not. 
Josh Harrison says, if we're not going to win, I don't want to be here. 18-19, I would like to play for a winner. Because at that point, his career's on the back side. Well, the Pirates haven't made it abundantly clear to their players what their plan is either. In the press conference yesterday, they made it seem, Pirates brass, that they had a shot this year. That it could be like the 2013 Pittsburgh Pirates. That perhaps they could surprise some people. That shouldn't be the way that it's posited to the fans. It should not be the way that it is positioned to the players. If the Pirates are going to rebuild, they should just be honest about it being a freaking rebuild. They shouldn't be talking about contending in 2018 at all. Here's what confuses me. Are the Pirates buying or selling? Are they rebuilding or not? I mean, obviously they're selling. But are they rebuilding or are they trying to contend? Or are they just caught no man's land? Seems to me like they're caught in no man's land. For Cole, they got Joe Musgrave, who doesn't have a high ceiling. I suppose he's got a low floor, but he's probably a back end of the rotation starter. A guy who's going to pitch this year in the major leagues. He did last year. He was 7-8 and eight with a 4-3-8 FIP and just over 8 Ks per 9. He's a fine pitcher. You mad that I went FIP? Is that anti-Crowley show? Maybe a little bit? Michael Feliz, he's a hard-throwing reliever. He's got good Ks per nine. He pitched in the majors the last three seasons. So two major league players that aren't great for Garrett Cole so far. Then there's Colin Moran, not a ton of power, reinventing his swing, not a great defender at third base, but he's major league ready too. So three major league players for Andrew McCutcheon. Are those guys going to help the Pirates win right now? Or are they going to help the Pirates be mediocre right now? The latter, not the former. Let's be real here. Jason Martin, minor league infielder. He could wind up being the best player in the deal, but he's years away. Then you look at McCutcheon. Kyle Crick, 25-year-old who who debuted in the majors last year. He's a hard-throwing lefty. He's going to play in the majors again this year. So, so far, four major league players. None of whom have incredibly high upside. None of whom really have great upside at all. And then you get Joe Reynolds, the 22-year-old. He got on base lot in class high A San Jose. Had a slash line of 312, 364, 426, and 121 games. Those are nice numbers. He had some pop, 19 homers, 9 triples, 26 doubles. One glaring hole, though, he struck out a bunch. 106 times last season while drawing just 37 walks. That's the kind of guy that you're okay with. Just like you're okay with Jason Martin. But I don't need mid-20-year-old guys coming up into the major leagues that are going to help this year the Pirates be mediocre. Was that Reynolds guy in uh, Deadpool? He was hilarious. Yeah, he's funny. I like him. Yeah, pretty good. Isn't that Ryan, though? Yeah, that's it. That's the guy. Ryan Reynolds. My wife wife drools over him all the time. Put that guy in the program. That should be the new bobblehead. Ryan Reynolds. Just take all the Kutch ones that they had made, because there was a Kutch giveaway this year. Lop all the heads off and just put Ryan Reynolds on top. The ladies, they'll love it. Overall, the Pirates get three, four players, pardon me, that are major league ready, which is something you do when you're close to contending. It seems to me that the Pirates went with low floor guys as opposed to high ceiling guys, which is frustrating. You want to have a chance to acquire a star if you get rid of a star. And the Pirates got rid of two and didn't get a potential star in return. All these guys look like just that, guys. 
Couple that with paying Felipe Rivero $22 million over the next two years, and it looks like the Pirates are caught between a rebuild and trying to contend, and all that does is lead to mediocrity. And who is best served by that mediocrity? Who is best served by the Pirates sitting around 75 wins and contending until August? Son of a bitch. It's that son of a bitch. Bob Nutting. You bring in all these major league players who are going to be average if the Pirates hang around 70-75 wins just based on the new rules in baseball and the wild card, they're going to be around, and they're going to get butts in the stands. So the question to me is, are they rebuilding or not? But the answer is, they are trying to do both? But the mediocrity serves the owner, and it reminds me of Dave Littlefield. Dave Littlefield did everything he could to get the team to 500, as opposed to trying to foster a a program that had some chance of success in the future. He just thought, okay, I'm going to put everything I have into this year to make sure the Pirates can get to 500. And then we'll build from 500 on. That's what the Pirates look like they're doing now. They should have gone with a total rebuild. Go with solid young minor league talent and see how they grew. Instead, these moves were made with the eye on getting people in the seats. Richard and Wheeling, next up on the Crowley Show. Hello, Richard. Well, a week or so ago, they had were talking about the same makeup. Uh, you're out of line that people could hold you accountable. And they mentioned my name as somebody who could, so I'm going to hold you accountable by what you said to Bloomberg this morning. And it has to do with Bob Nutting. You told Bloom that Bob Nutting is a liar. He's a liar. He is not interested in the team. He's only interested in himself and making more money. Correct. And then when Bloom Daddy agreed, uh, you agreed, and when Bloom Daddy stated that he teaches, uh, he treats his employees like crap, you agreed with that. Yes. Uh, something like that. That's where you need to be held accountable because you have no clue. You don't know Bob Nutting. You don't know <laughs> that he's a liar. Give me a break, Mr. Richard. We all know Bob Nutting. All of us. Every single one of us. And by the way, I know things about Bob Nutting that you don't know about Bob Nutting. Uh, I know one thing about him that you don't know. Yeah, what's that? I know he goes, I've seen him at Wheeling Park basketball things. You've never seen him there. Okay, so just because... you say he's a liar... He is a liar. He told us that he would like to see Andrew McCutcheon in a Pirates uniform for the remainder of McCutcheon's career, and then two years later he trades his ass. He tells us that he's going to put money back into the baseball club, and he has not put money back into the baseball club when the Pirates have had an opportunity to succeed. He is not just somebody who lies from time to time. He is, by definition, a liar, and he's a bad dude. And you know that he treats his employees like crap. I do, because I've been told by people who... I, I have sources in Wheeling who work for the paper in West Virginia that say they've got college degrees and get paid $9 an hour. And they, the management, shrunk the parking lot down, put more spaces in there so that the employees could park there, and then charge the employees to pay, to park. So he's not a good dude. He's a liar when it comes to the baseball franchise. He lied to us yesterday when he said he's getting $50 million and he doesn't know what he's doing with it. That's asinine. Of course he knows what he's doing with it. He's a billionaire. You're telling me he doesn't have that money earmarked to go somewhere? What What do you have to say for yourself, Mr. Richard? I'm very disappointed in you. Well, I guess you can't get him for defamation, or he can't get you for defamation or slander or anything like that. If no, because I've got proof. 
He can come after me if he wants. I got proof. Bad guy. Liar. And come after me then. How do you think the Pittsburgh public would handle that? The Major League Baseball owner coming after a broadcaster for defamation? Like to see him try. Up next, Lance Lysowski, DKPittsburghSports.com. He covers the Pirates. He was there yesterday with all the lying. Talk to him next. It's the Crowley Show. The Adam Crowley Show. Axon. Axon. Ah! Axon. Oh, no. Oh, it's on the nipple. Axon. Ah! Axon. Oh. Axon. Oh, he went from the bottom. Adam Crowley on ESPN Pittsburgh. If you're a Pirates fan and a Steelers fan, and a lot of your self-pride comes from those organizations, you're in a pretty bad place today. Lance Lysowski, DKPittsburghSports.com, joins us now on the Crowley Show. Lance, it's been too long, man. How are you? Doing well, Adam. Stuck in the snow right now. How about yourself? Good to hear you, and that stinks. Uh, I was stuck in the snow yesterday as I was driving home. There was a water main break on a street not too far from my house, and I wound up sliding sideways down a hill. So hopefully you fare better than I did. You live in the South Hills, right? I do. I can't wait to get out of there, man. It's, there's always something going on in the South Hills when it comes to weather or the tunnels. I'm, I'm just done with it. Is it snowing pretty bad out there right now? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, hey, roads are covered. And, of course, people don't know how to drive when the, when the roads are covered. So what are you going to do? Listen to the radio. That's what people should do. That's exactly right, Adam. Good call. Lance Lysowski, DK com, joining me here on the Crowley Show. Uh, Lance, are the Pirates rebuilding or not? It, it's, it, it sucks. I don't get it. I mean, what the hell? Neil Huntington was asked pretty much plainly whether or not they're rebuilding. He wouldn't use the term, but let's, let's face it. You trade Andrew McCutcheon, you trade Garrett Cole, Josh Harrison's the next to go, and hey, What's to stop them from trading other pieces? You know, maybe Yvonne Nova, maybe Francisco Cervelli. Jordy Mercer is entering the last year of his contract. So, really, this is just the beginning. Uh, they're going to go with a lot of young players. I mean, sure, Josh Bell's proven himself. He's a nice player. Starling Marte, Gregory Polanco. But the guys they got back in these two trades from McCutcheon and Cole are really unproven. you got Joe Musgrove, who was good as a reliever, stunk as a starter. Of course, the Pirates are going to use him as a starter and try to roll the dice there. Colin Moran, a promising third baseman. One-year production at AAA that was promising. Um, that's the Pacific Coast League. you got to always take that with an asterisk. He only has 16 games of major league experience and two other relievers. So there's parts, there's pieces, but again, you're really rolling the dice here. You are, and it looks like a lot of the guys that they got back are guys that are going to play in the major leagues right away. And Four of the six, yeah. Right, and to me... I mean, is that really what you want to be doing? I'd rather get the high beta guys who have an opportunity to at one day be stars as opposed to guys that I've heard described as having low floors, or high yeah. floors, I suppose. Exactly, and this is kind of a theme since Neil Huntington took over, that he doesn't go in one direction or the other. He doesn't do a full fire sale. He doesn't go all in to try to get this team to the playoffs, and it's bit them before, and again, this time around, instead of getting those prospects in the lower levels of the minor leagues with higher ceilings he gets guys that have you know 
had short stints in the major leagues, you know, guys that are kind of projects like Musgrove and, and really Kyle Crick, the, the return for Andrew McCutcheon. These are projects for Ray Searage, and these guys, kind of like the young starting pitchers last year, they're going to be learning on the major league level. It's going to take months for them to kind of get to where the Pirates are going to need them to be, and of course, that's going to, that's going to lead to a lot of losses. There's no really starting left fielder right now, so once Josh Harrison is traded, you're probably going to Sean Rodriguez as a starting second baseman. There's a lot of question marks. Lance, you asked a question yesterday of Bob Nutting what the plan is with the $50 million they're going to be getting, and... When he says he doesn't know, that is more than disingenuous to me. That's a flat-out lie. The guy's a billionaire. Uh, He's made his money by being a shrewd businessman, and you're going to tell me he doesn't know what he's going to do with the $50 million? Why does he lie to us and think that we're that freaking stupid? Adam, I was surprised because I expected him, you know, especially with everything that had happened over the previous, you know, 48 hours from Cole being traded to McCutcheon being traded, that he would say that we're going to put that money back in the club. But, of course, I mean, you saw it. A lot of people saw it. He didn't go ahead and say that. And these guys know when they're going to have money coming in. They knew that $50 million. They might not have known the exact figure, but they knew that check was coming in. And, uh, they, they know where that's going in the budget. And, of course, it's not going to go to the on-field pro- you know. The on-field product, because look at uh, what they did to the payroll going into 2018. Lance Lazowski, DKPittsburghSports.com, joining me on the Crowley Show. We had Will Graves on earlier on in the show, and he asked Bob Nutting about if that that cycle of when a player gets close to free agency uh, of the Pirates trading them, if that's ever going to stop. And Bob Nutting said, well, the economics of baseball really don't allow a small market team uh, to to do anything but what the Pirates have been doing. And uh, while I understand where he's coming from, Bob Nutting doesn't have any reason, nor do a lot of these small market owners, to try to change the way that baseball is played, right? I mean, why would Bob Nutting want to go into an owner's meeting and say, or a collective bargaining agreement and say, yeah, we want, we, we don't like the way things are when he's getting all this revenue sharing money and things of that nature? Well, yeah, of, of course. And I think that everything that came out of that, you know, 30 minutes of, you know, audio from Huntington and Nutting, that's probably the, the thing that probably should concern Pirates fans the most is that he did come out and say that because you look at Josh Bell, he's represented by Scott Boris. Um, there's probably zero shot of them re-signing him long-term. Uh, it's just, it's a constant cycle. And, you know, for as much as this, this ownership group and this front office has said that they want to consistently compete year in and year out, it looks like they're going to continue to have these peaks and valleys where, of course, if, if you kind of get lightning in the bottle and you do everything right, you're going to have years like they did in 13 to 15. And, yeah, maybe you make a push to the World Series, maybe like the Royals did or a few other clubs have done. But you're going to have to hit these. It looks like they're going to hit these, you know, 2018 seasons where they're going to be a complete rebuild and they just develop these players again and, of course, pretty much prepare them to leave. It's yeah, and you can't really compare it to other places. I know that people have kind of said, well, you know, the Reds re-signed Joey Votto. Well, the Reds stink because they re-signed Joey Votto. But there's also cases where clubs have made smart, calculated moves to keep players like an Andrew McCutcheon, like a Josh Bell long-term, while also building around them. I just think that sometimes this front office, you know, Neil Huntington and even Bob Nutton, they say these things, you know, to be honest, which, of course, you know, as media people, we appreciate that honesty, but it seems like they should put their foot in their mouth a few times because they're saying things that, especially with the climate, with this fan base and how they feel, that you should probably just say nothing at this point. Well, on that vein, when Neil Huntington says that trading McCutcheon and Cole 
doesn't affect the Pirates' chances of winning a World Series yeah. in 2018. I mean, that comes off looking really bad. Yeah, I mean, you could talk about projection models, and I'm sure, you know, their numbers, you know, I understand where he's coming from, you know, as, as a reporter who's sitting in that room, who, who understands what's said in the, the following question, the question before that, but when it becomes a quote, it becomes a soundbite, of course, the, you know, the fan base is going to get upset, and, uh, and it's still a really ridiculous statement. You can't tell me that this team is, is, you know, not worse by trading two pieces like that. And when you get a return like they did, then there's just so many question marks. You're going to really put pressure on this coaching staff to try to get as much as they can out of this group. And you know what this is going to do to attendance for 2018. Well, it's going to be even I, worse than it was in previous years. Yeah, I would hope so. I really would. I really hope Pirate fans say, you know, we're not going to go unless there's a product that we should want to watch on the baseball field. But um, to go back to the the previous conversation, Lance, on on one side of their mouth, they say, okay, well, there's not a worse chance to win the World Series this year by trading Garrett Cole and Andrew McCutcheon. But then on the other side of their mouth, they say, well, they might be able to surprise some people. You remember 2013? <laughs> I mean, is that not the... To me, that is the thing that insults the intelligence of the fans the most, is when they say, when the, basically their plan for 2018 for contention is, let's, let's cross our fingers and maybe we can set a goat on fire or something as a sacrifice. I mean, what the hell is that? Who, who on this team would win the National League MVP like McCutcheon did in 2013? That 2013 team wasn't a bunch of young guys. It also had an infusion of veterans, and uh, it, it was kind of lightning in the ball. You got guys who... You know, were reclamation projects that worked out. This team still hasn't spent one dollar in free agency. Spring training is less than a month away. There, there's a lot of pieces picked over. I mean, you're not going to find quality veterans. You're relying on a bullpen with a bunch of young guys who have command issues. And Daniel Hudson, yeah, you got Felipe Rivera, but you might not even get to the ninth inning, so it won't even matter. So uh, there's there's a lot of work to be done. You know, I, of course, Josh Harrison's the next to go, but they need to get pieces that, that can actually compete, you know, can produce in the major leagues, whether that's signing a free agent to play left field. You can't just keep rolling out Adam Frazier as your left fielder. Adam Frazier's a good utility player. I think he'd be very useful, but once again, it seems like they're going to try to fit square pegs and round holes and try to hope for the best that these guys even outperform their projections. Because, of course, they go back to 2013 and say, okay, well, Andrew McCutcheon produced more than he did, you know, more than he was supposed to that season. That's how they got that far. That's just how things work. You just can't compare year to year. And, again, it was another thing they said that just didn't make any sense. Lance Lysowski, DKPittsburghSports.com here on the Crowley Show. Lance, anything else in particular that stood out to you in that meeting yesterday not really i mean the, the thing is that it, it looks like you know adam frazier jordan luplo is going to be the starting left fielder this team is obviously not done trading pieces uh they're really going to rely on all this young talent i think that um they're going to try to follow the same model they did before but it's going to be more of a rebuild for as much as neil Huntington is saying that it's not because you know a month ago, Adam, he told us in the winter meetings that if they made moves like this, it would push their window to compete back to 2019. How does this not change? How do these trades not change that when you don't even get pieces that are proven in the major leagues? If you would have made the trade with the Yankees and got Clint Frazier, who could have been your starting left fielder, who has all that potential, who's got the bat speed that people actually compare to Andrew McCutcheon, then okay, you might be able to sell people on that, but... When, again, you're, you're going to try to roll, roll the dice and hope things work out for the best, I, I just don't understand how this team is going to come close to even being as good as it was a year ago. Give me your predicted starting eight. Uh, I know it's hard at this point, but hey, whatever. It's, it's hypothetical, it's radio, and give me your starting rotation for the Pirates uh, as it sits right now. 
Okay, their rotation, I will give you Nova, Tyone, Cool, Williams, and Musgrove. It looks like they're going to give Joe Musgrove a chance to, to really be a starting a starting pitcher with Glass now and probably being in the bullpen. Lineup, uh, Cervelli and Elias Diaz are going to platoon at catcher. Bell at first, Rodriguez at second. Colin Moran, the third baseman they acquired from the Ashes, will be at third. Mercer at short. Adam Frazier is your starting left fielder. Marte in center, Polanco in right. Oh dear what are your God! Thoughts? What are your thoughts, Adam? With a bench that would include let's let's think um, Osuna, Diaz, right? Diaz, Max Moroff, uh, um, David Freeze, Opal tune at third and first, and I'm, I'm assuming they're going to pick up an outfielder in free agency. Austin Jackson is a guy who, who they could pick up, just someone on a one-year prove-it deal that they can stick out there to prove themselves and just get quality at bats, and you know. In a good division, you know, somebody will want to sign with that team and maybe potentially play themselves out of there at the deadline. So, because Austin Meadows isn't going to be ready, I think that no. everybody thought Austin Meadows at this point with Andrew McCutcheon where he was in his contract that Meadows would be able to take over. But injury shortened season last year, and he's still got a lot to prove at AAA. So this roster, it's pretty much what you see is what you get. And what I get makes me nauseous. Uh, Lance, really appreciate the time, man. Thank you so much, and uh, get home safe. All right. Anytime, Adam. Talk to you soon. Thanks for having me. All right, buddy. Thank you. Lance Lysowski, DK, PittsburghSports.com. I mean, what do you, what do you say? <laughs> what do you think? You only had it ready for the one time? What do you, what do you, run by Neil Huntington? A little Neil Huntington's in your brain? Trying to push the buttons, Joe? Maybe if our attendance was higher in the studio, you know, there are more people here than just you and me. Up next, the Pirates wasted Andrew McCutcheon, and I'll tell you what really cost the Steelers when it comes to the playoffs. It's the Crowley Show. I'm depressed. I feel like one of my best attributes that I bring to a radio show is my energy. I'm young, I'm fired up, that makes a show fun. Yesterday the energy was there, but it manifested itself in anger. Today, I'm just worn out, man. Steeler season takes a lot out of you, but at the same time, you love it, and it fuels you, because had the Steelers not lost, they'd be playing New England this week, and dear sweet God... We'd be having a blast. I'd be trying to get under EEI's skin. Be trying to piss off all the people in Boston. It would have worked. But instead, I'm here. And I'm upset. Because the Steelers are out. They lost to an inferior team, I think. It's tough to argue that, though, when you get drubbed by the same team twice, that you're better than them. And then the Pirates trade. Andrew McCutcheon, Garrett Cole gets moved. And Josh Harrison's likely next. So forgive me if I sound soulless. Forgive me if I sound like maybe I don't have it today. Also, West Virginia, the basketball club, Saturday, blew an 11-point lead to the number 8 team in the country, and then yesterday, number 10 team in the country, comes to Morgantown. I know they blew a 16-point lead. They've been the only good sports thing going for me, and, well... It's West Virginia, so eventually they were going to let me down. And they did just that. 
FF Fighter 21 tweets at underscore Adam Crowley. Is Gung Ho Kang coming back this season? No. Edward tweets at underscore Adam Crowley. Any thoughts on Mike Hilton's contract? No. They signed Mike Hilton, the Steelers did, to a one-year deal. He'll be back next year. Woo! Yeah! Dave. Yes! Hell yes! I'm so happy that they announced this now instead of after they won the Super Bowl. I'm so happy! Mike Hilton's coming back! I'm a man! I'm... Here's what wound up costing the Steelers that I don't think I paid enough attention to over the season. Squeaking by bad teams, I thought at the time, was the Steelers showing that they had metal. The Steelers showing that they had balls. The Steelers showing that they could win despite not playing their best football. And yeah, it did show all of those things. But I think that winning in the face of playing poorly also reinforced bad habits for Pittsburgh. The Steelers struggled against Indianapolis, one of the worst teams in football. They struggled against Detroit. Green Bay, without Aaron Rodgers, Cincinnati, and Baltimore. Cincinnati and Baltimore are no freaking good. They didn't make the playoffs. Baltimore lost to Cincinnati. Those teams all stink. And, yeah, the Steelers won those games. And at the time, I said, this is balls. This is great. The Steelers aren't losing to teams that they shouldn't lose to. But I think that winning these games reinforced bad habits for Pittsburgh. The miscommunication on defense. Well, it didn't hurt us. We can always play our way out of it, so that's what they tried to do in the playoffs, and it didn't work. Oh, we can give up some against the run because we still found a way to win. Well, in the playoffs, no. On offense, not converting. On the crucial downs. They had problems early in the season in the red zone and on third down, and that translated into the playoffs on fourth down. Now, they did convert a fourth and five and a fourth and 11, but they couldn't convert the easy ones, the fourth and one, twice. Al Villanueva said yesterday in the locker room that the Steelers would like to be dominant like a college team next year. Talent got the Steelers by this year. Next year, despite the winning that we saw this year, the Steelers will need to strive to blow teams out. Steelers need to strive to play not just to win that game, not just to win the game that they're playing, but play well enough to beat anybody on any given Sunday. I know that this phrase gets blown out the ass all the time, but the Steelers got to trust that process, baby. Play good football, and with their talent, you're going to be able to beat anyone. Play up to a certain standard. Don't only play good enough to beat the team across from you that day. That goes in the face of everything I've been taught growing up, and that goes in the face of everything you hear come out of most locker rooms in the National Football League. But if you play well enough to beat anyone, then you can do just that. The Steelers only would have beaten Indianapolis the day that they played Indianapolis. And I guess that that's worth something because it's how you get 13 wins. But it reinforces bad habits for the playoffs. Detroit slaying the ball all over the damn place. Green Bay, same thing. Cincinnati had a big lead. Baltimore, samesies. The Steelers reinforced bad habits by winning 
in spite of those bad habits. And when the playoffs came around, the bad habits still existed, and it got their asses beat. People have said that Mike Tomlin didn't lose the games he wasn't supposed to lose this year like he has done in the past, and I think that that's a big step in the right direction. That being said, they still didn't play button up against some of those teams and eventually bit the Steelers in the ass. That's got to change next year. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Pirates wasted McCutcheon. Now that I can look back, now that I can reflect, Andrew McCutcheon brought about a baseball renaissance here in Pittsburgh. Andrew McCutcheon made this town care about ball again. Andrew McCutcheon made me believe that that team could win a championship. And he represented something that even his statistics could not accurately showcase. But when it's all said and done, what did the Pirates actually win with Andrew McCutcheon? Andrew McCutcheon's around for seven years, and the Pirates went to the playoffs three times and did not win a series. They won the wild card game back in 2013, but then they lost to their hated rivals, the St. Louis Cardinals. Then they lost to the Giants and the Cubs in the wild card game. The Pirates didn't really accomplish anything, and they had one of the best players in the sport. Andrew McCutcheon was the MVP in 2013. They couldn't turn that into a World Series appearance. They won 98 games a couple years later. And they couldn't turn that into anything other than a wild card game. Now, yes, bad luck did spit in the Pirates' face. The Pirates went to the wild card game as the number one wild card seed. The first three times the wild card play-in game was instituted. That is bad luck. Pirates would have played in a series in each of those years. And when they had 98 wins, they could have beat anybody in baseball. That team was good enough to win the damn World Series. But they didn't. They didn't the year before, and they didn't the year before that. So the Pirates didn't get out of McCutcheon what they should have gotten out of him. When you've got a superstar like that, you need to build around him. And when you build around him, you better win. The Pirates didn't, and they get a lot of praise for those three years from prospect guys like Tim Williams and from some other bloggers. They get praised for those three years, and yeah, they won the second most games in all of baseball those three years, but they didn't have anything to show for it. And that matters. Last year, Marte was suspended. Jung Ho Gong got the third DUI, and they don't wind up playing for most of the year for Marte and the entire year for Jung Ho Gong. So last year, had promise. Last year, they could have, in my opinion, Battle for a wild card spot, and yet it didn't happen. That's a year wasted for Andrew McCutcheon. In 2016, they punted on the year before it started by trading Neil Walker for John freaking Neese. When you start a season with John Neese in your rotation, that ain't the way it's going to go down, baby. The way you want it to. When you refuse to spend money always, and you want to contend, then you need to spend sometimes. Even if you spend only when you're on the cusp, at least you've attempted to win. The Pirates didn't even do that. 
The Royals added Johnny Cueto when they were close. The Indians added Andrew Miller and then Edwin Encarnacion and Jay Bruce. I butchered the hell out of Edwin Encarnacion's name just there. But you get the point. Jay Bruce is easy. Edmund Encarnacion is not so much easy. Andrew Miller, easy. Instead of trying to add to the team when Andrew McCutcheon was in his prime, the Pirates were thinking about keeping the window open longer. They didn't want to trade prospects because they thought those prospects would be the guys who fill in for McCutcheon after McCutcheon's prime. And what the Pirates did is they said, you know what? We've got a pretty good club now. Let's get them to the playoffs. Let's roll the dice. And then let's extend the window. And we'll see how many times we can put our name in the hat. And and when you do that, then maybe you've got a better chance to win. And I disagree wholeheartedly with that philosophy. Don't keep the window open longer. Blow out a damn wall when you've got an opportunity. Make a bigger window in that year. Terrible analogy. But you know what I'm saying here. Instead of trying to kick the can down the road and instead of trying to keep the Pirates competitive for eight years, realize that you've got three to win a damn championship. The Royals are done now. They're done. Their window is closed. And you know what? They're always going to remember winning the freaking World Series. But, 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 but we can continue to contend. Meadows is going to fill in for McCutcheon when we trade him. This is what we were always told, right? He'll fill in for McCutcheon. The last now will be the next Cole, or maybe it'll be Tyone. And their window's going to be open for maybe an eight-year span. F that. That's how you waste Andrew freaking McCutcheon. Instead of going for it when you're there, you worry about being there in three years, too. F that. Screw it. FF Fighter tweets at underscore Adam Crowley. They wasted Barry Bonds, too. It's the hashtag pirate way, no doubt. And isn't it fitting where Andrew McCutcheon winds up? I hadn't thought about that, really. I haven't really heard anyone bring that up, either. Of course McCutcheon would go to the Giants. Although Bonds never did win a World Series with San Francisco. How about that? They bring in Bonds, and he hits a bajillion home runs. They got there. They lost to the Angels. Back when they were the Anaheim Angels, not the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, they lost. And then he leaves, and they win with all those pitchers. I do hope that they get one with Andrew McCutcheon. I do. I think he deserves it. Because he got wasted here. Chris tweets, at underscore Adam Crowley, totally agree that the Steelers won on the back of their talent, especially on defense. This has been one of the most unidentifiable defensive schemes I've ever seen, and it showed when they needed to be good at anything they weren't. Pretty good way of putting it. I think that Keith Butler has his strengths. I think that he knew the Steelers were young last year and simplified the defensive schemes. Dick LeBeau never would have done that. He actually put young players on the field. Javon Hargrave played last year. Same with Sean Davis. Same with Artie Burns. And then this year, of course, all those same young guys played. But Cam Sutton was given an opportunity to start against the New England Patriots after coming off the IR. And Mike Hilton played all season long. So that's one thing I like with Keith Butler. I wouldn't fire him yet. I'd give him another year. 
his young guys in the system, you want to see him grow with the system, I suppose, or else they'd be learning all new things next year. But if things don't get better and they play next year like they played in the second half of this year, see ya. Yeah, goodbye. Up next, you want to get pissed? Got some clips of one Bob Nutting. F that guy, it's the Crowley Show.